Welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. So happy that you're joining us today. Uh, we just returned two weeks ago, well, not quite two weeks ago, I guess, but uh, from our trip to Dubai and also Saudi Arabia. Uh, we will cover Dubai another time unless we get through this today because um, once you get into Saudi Arabia, the crossing of the Red Sea, everything that we saw on Mount Sinai, we're just, it's more important than Dubai. Dubai is fun and we enjoy talking about it, but... Um, and I did get Stan on the camel. I should at least show that picture, right? It's, it's actually on the table back there, so look at it during fellowship. <laughs> yeah, we have, uh, for those of you that are here, I have pictures on the back table that Sharonda set up and some things of what we, we gathered there in Dubai. Uh, there wasn't really opportunity to buy anything in Saudi. Um, coffee and soda. <laughs> coffee, soda, and I had to get a little jacket, so I came back with, I guess you call it that, I don't know. But anyway, so we're going to get into, right into about our trip to Mount Sinai and, and our experience there. Um, and yes, it'll be doing really good to get it all covered and for this session and also the next session. So here we go. So these things on the screen... Right? We saw a lot of them. And I, 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 mean, I mean, we could have just kept taking pictures of camels. It's like cows on the side of the road here. I mean, it's, it's you know, they're just... They're I, would, just I would say it this way. In most, in most of America, as you drive down the road, we don't see wildlife. You know, we don't see rabbits. We don't see very many deer. It's a rare occasion. Not there. There's wild camels walking along the road, over the road, in front of the road, often is like, are you serious? They're every place. They are everywhere, and um, we kind of like them, and they're all different colors, you'll see. Anyway, here's uh, where we went. Stan, you want to use this pointer sometimes if you need to, but we went to, don't get... Uh, I got it, I, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, so we, <laughs> they crossed the Red Sea right in here. We went down like this, or they... Moses and the children of Israel, and then they went back up and around here to Mount uh, Sinai. We stayed in a city right here. This is the same as this one, okay? We stayed in Dubuk, so we had to book it over to here. <laughs> Every day. A few times, yeah. And I was teasing with Ran and Sharana because I said we had to get tickets from uh, to book to Riyadh before we left, it was a, it was an auto. I mean, auto, all of a sudden we had to do that, and uh, I said it's very hard to to book a flight. <laughs> <laughs> to book a flight. <laughs> anyway, we got it. All right, so here's our leader right here. Doesn't he look cute? Uh, this was we went to Saudi <laughs> Leslie Arabia. Put this together. I, yeah, tell. I did. Yeah, you'll be happy I did because it'll be colorful oh, pictures. Oh, you'll look. You'll be not happy I did. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> It's not going to be you trying to hurry up and read all the words, the thousand words on the screen. So, <laughs> I asked her to take the little bump out down here. She couldn't do that. Well, I tried. All right, so Saudi Ray, we went there from October 6th to October the 11th, and this was a tour with Joel Richardson, and we'll show you pictures of him in just a minute. Uh, we were set. We had our shirts. We had our name tags. We had our hats. My hat, as you can see, is like an umbrella on top of my head, but, um, you know, but it, it, did, it did work. Yep, it was, it was fun. So those are our pictures there. My hat looks better. Uh, this is to book, and I'll show you here. We got some camels as we're driving down the road. Just driving down the road. They're just there. Yeah. You'll also <laughs> notice the smooth and quiet ride we have. 
it's like all of a sudden they're just there. Yeah, there's a lot of rocks, dirt, mountains, rocks, dirt, mountains. Let me go back here. Those yep. bushes. Whatever they can find. Yeah, they... Um, I'd like to tell you what they don't eat. They yeah, don't eat these little there. melons about the size of a, a softball. I'm calling it over to me. <laughs> Come here, camel. They weren't afraid. Really. Now this is our ride. Right here is our ride. And we're just chilling on the bumpy road. Yeah. That that was it. That was a camel. No, and we're not we're not talking like ten minutes. We're talking two hours, three hours. Yeah. If if you know that the machine they used to have that it would wiggle, you know, you get in a belt and you wiggle, you know, to to lose weight. My mother had one of those. Well, I mean, we should be twenty pounds lighter should by now be, yeah. if that would have worked, but it didn't. Um, so this <laughs> this is the most exciting part. One of now I can't. I'll be saying that a lot. This is one of the most exciting parts. One of the most exciting parts. But we couldn't wait to see this because it's out in the middle of pretty much nowhere. It's just all of a sudden you see this humongous rock. How else can this be but the split rock of Horeb? Let me, let me point out a couple of things. <clears throat> How big do you think that rock is? How tall? 20 feet? 30 feet? Any other guesses? I'll bet you from here to here is 10 stories. More like a boulder. Wouldn't you agree? Call it the split rock, but it's more like a boulder. It's huge. Now, how long do you think it would take you to walk from here to here? One hour. Ten minutes, an hour. It took an hour for me to walk from here up and back down. An hour. And I did, I took probably five or ten minutes up in here in the crack, looking around the crack. And in my presentation, I'll show you what's in the crack and why the water came through and all that sort of stuff. But today, the point I'm trying to make here is that was the easy climb. Yeah. And climbing up those boulders, uh, it's not like walking uphill. It's more like, okay, how do I get up on this next rock? And here's the scriptures in Exodus 17, 6. says, Behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock, in Horeb, and thou, sorry, I can't see this from the thing, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, and that the people may drink, and Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. In Numbers 20, 10, 11, it says, And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch your water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hands, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank in their beast also. Um, you know, all this, you know, Saudi has not been open to tourism. So all this that you're seeing is is untouched. It's untouched. But yet archaeologists and others, and Ron Wyatt, um, um, Penny, and what's his name, Jim Caldwell, they found these things, and I believe, I definitely, when, when, I'll show you some pictures here. Stan went up there. Can you all see Pastor Stan? Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah, see the yeah. people. Is, yeah. is 
You want to sit where Brandon is, maybe? Maybe I should switch sides, maybe. Yeah. You want Brandon, me to? Do you mind? All right. Yeah. Sharonda, you want to switch? So we can. Musical chairs. Sorry, folks. We didn't I'm going to have to have my pad. Okay. Well. Can we straighten this? I can't tell what needs to be done. Now everybody sees I have a couple of drinks and a big <clears throat> pad. And that's not for my bottom, that's for the lack of bottom. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Okay. No, so I think either this was me or this was me. You're down below. Down here? Okay. Oh, I, I think this is me. I'm about to hold my hands up. Now, the point is, that gives you an idea, at least 10 stories, maybe 15 stories. And as you go up there, it's like this big plain, and there's a, kind of a rocky, rocky here, little small mountains, and all of a sudden, boom, there's this one rock sticking up. And then, in my presentation, I will show you the water could not have come up from below. The water apparently was formed out of thin air up here. The water came, lots of it came out this way, came out this way, and on the far side, right here. Three places the water came down, and it was, um, it was like a river, a large river, I mean a huge amount of water. Probably that water gushed out all the way over to here. I mean, it didn't just trickle. It just, was a lot of water <clears throat> for a long just, time. Just to remind everyone, for the next several Sundays, Stan will be having the 9.30 and the 10.30 service continuing to talk on these things. And so the, these are some more than just the fun pictures we've had. This is um, one of the persons on the, on, the, on the trip, the tour, and they're up there in the crack. Uh, that shows you how big it is. You can also oh, see how smooth it is. One more point I want to... If, if the water came up from the ground, what would you see right here? You'd see the crack going on down, right? Maybe a few rocks had fallen in over the 3,000... Uh, 3,500... 3,300 to 3,500 years ago. But you don't. You see, water has never come up through here. It was formed up in here, just out of thin air. Another miracle. That's God, right? <laughs> uh, here Stan is at the top there. Um, Some renegade. Yeah, looking at the, right there at the split. I had to get up in there. I had heard that there was a round spot, like a big beach ball. I don't think I'd call it round, but I do think that the water was just miraculously created up there. It did not come up from below. That was one of the major things I wanted to ascertain for myself. <clears throat> and as you can see by the terrain, it's just all of a sudden there's the rock. There's no missing it. There were about 22 people, 22 yep. people on the, on the yes. tour. Uh, another thing I'll point out here, I'm, I make a video on this because well, the, the, there's a little boys' room right over here. <laughs> you made a video of that? <laughs> you didn't tell me that. Moving along. So as I was going over to check out the little boys' room, I discovered that when this water, again, we're talking about like a river, it flowed out and down over here, 
And then when it came out of here, it flowed out and down, and part of it came over here, but from about right in here, you can't see it on this video, there's a river. Uh, you can tell a lot of water washed right through there, from here all the way down to right through here, right by the little boys' room. Is it like a separate rock, or is it part of the That's a very good question. I think... He asked if it was a separate rock. I think that it is... Of course, unless you dug below, you would not really know. But I think at one time, it was one big, giant, solid rock. Uh, but then when Moses struck it, it split. And of course, it was, we say it split in two. It actually split in three. Three parts. Uh, I don't know. So this is, um, where in the world is Pastor Stan? Uh-oh, it's sideways there. <laughs> okay. Uh, Doug, can you come and fix that one for me, please? It's all right. Some, me, sometimes the when you convert these... Yeah, um, that shows you how big it was. Sometimes when you convert these here to the church... Technical difficulties. They, they end up... You want me to try to play it now and see what happens? You need to rotate it. You need to rotate it. He's, he is, uh, well, it's skewed, but you still can see Stan there. He's not that fat, but he—he was waving at me. So let me go on to the next one. Can you let me get over to the next one? No. There he is. Okay. <laughs> there is Stan. Um, it was he was waving. I don't think he thought at first we could see him, but we could. I, 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 I think can't, it I was can't. really good to have the pictures of the people in there. Yeah. That shows just how big it is. I say ten stories, but it's probably even higher than ten stories. And it Doug, really is split in three pieces. There we go. There. Now you can see, this on up here, the water, this is actually a picture of the backside. One, I didn't go back there. One of the, the brothers got this. I said, got to give me a picture of the backside. But this is the backside where the water came out of here and flowed down. It, you can tell lots and lots and lots of gushing water. This wasn't a trickle came out of your hand, and for a long time for it to make all of these rocks smooth, and then, of course, it went on down into the valley. Is it granite? What's it made of? It yeah, yes, yeah, it's, I, I, I would call it more like a real hard sandstone. It's like all of the rocks in the area. It's the same substance, but it's just huge. We, look at all of them. It, they're just these big rocks. Huge rocks. So this is all the tour. Oh, you found this, right, Sharona? Yes, there was a little pile of, when one of the other pictures, it was just some rocks that were stacked, and Stan said that they might be a little spot where they did burials, but I don't know what kind of bones those were. I just happened to look in there. Probably and, camel. And saw them, so. <laughs> this is a footprint, so I had to put my foot up there by it. Um, these are called. You don't called, see it? Okay, so this is the foot. <laughs> <Stop it. laughs> 
And then right here beside it is what they would do is they put their sandals there and they would scrape around the sandals like this. And you can see someone has kind of been along there to try to cover it up. There, there's evil people out there that don't want this evidence coming out. But nevertheless, we've got other really good ones. Now, what was going on? One Wyatt said when he walked around this area, <coughs> he kept seeing these shoe prints every place. And they always had kind of these three little lines. And he said, he finally asked somebody, what is this? He said, well, God promised Moses that every place the sole of his feet was put, God would give him that area. And of course, for 40 years, the uh, Israelites wandered all over Saudi Arabia. But you see the three little marks there? He said, what's the three marks? He said, that's ancient Hebrew for soul. Wherever the sole of your foot. In other words, Moses reclaimed this land for Israel. This is Israel's land. You know, so and as I said that, yeah. what the, the Israeli, the archaeologist <laughs> said, shh, don't say that here. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, Ooh. yeah, we had an archaeologist that joined us, and we aren't giving his name out or anything because it could, it, it could jeopardize him, but he, um, uh, he was confirming a lot of things that we saw. Mm-hmm. But this is, but, so we were taking back, we were proclaiming the land back for Israel also. So to people tend to think that this little bitty country, Israel, is all that they have, the Israelites have, or the Jews have. That's not true. It's going to be reclaimed back to them most of Saudi Arabia, um, Egypt, some Jordan. So it's, it's a big area. How far inland do you think that was, like this, this area? <clears throat> Tabuk was, um, I don't know. Are you asking what is the area that God is going to give Israel? No, no, no. How far inland yeah. was where from, the rock the was? How, how far inland was? I think you'll show it next week. At right? least a two-hour drive. Yeah, he'll show you next week um, some of these areas because he'll have, like, the concordances and stuff. This is just, there's some camels again. Camels. That's our ride. Bumpity bump, bump, bump. And you can see they're just there. I they're promise I there. was holding my phone as still as possible. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't just doing that. How you want to talk about this? Uh, in the Bible, it says that after they reached the split rock, the Amalekites wouldn't let them pass. And so they had to have a war with the Amalekites. And the question is, where do they do that war? Well, there's only about two, at the maximum three, but probably two places that that war could have taken place. And this is what we thought would probably be one, this is my opinion, the second, the least likely in my talk, I'll show you the more likely Yeah, there place. was another soft part that we all foresaw <laughs> because this would have been better. This was like soft sand. Yeah. Yes. And I, the other place, it still likely. looked like sand, but it was hard. It would, you know, because it would be difficult to do, the. I think, the battle there. You remember the story where Moses, as long as he held up his hands, yeah. that they were victorious when he let down his, his staff, then the Amalekites prevailed? This is where it took place. This is the story. It's... Uh, Jehovah Nisi. This is the location of the place. Jehovah Nisi. This is petro, petro petroglyphs. Petroglyphs. Um, it's flint rock, so they are etching it. That's their, you know, they're making their notes as they go. Okay, so this is a deer. <laughs> this is a man with a bow shooting an arrow a at the deer. A, I thought that was a camel, but whatever. 
Could be a deer. <laughs> it could be, it's an animal, whatever. Right. This is a deer, this is a smaller oh, deer. That other one's an antelope with the ears. Yeah, and then this guy's gonna talk about this. Oh, it's kind of skewed again, it's you know saw its turn. this look like? What? Sorry, you guys. Know the, the animal that's, that's living in the desert. I'll, I'll, I'll go back yeah. to this picture, I'll just show you the, um, so, yeah, I don't know why it does this, but the, uh, where's the, where's the, this here? What do I point at? What's the pointer? The top one's the pointer. Ooh, okay. This right here, the uh, archaeologist was saying that that's like, it looks like an ostrich. Mm -hmm. With its head in the ground. Yeah. Okay. We can't move on. Yeah, you want me to go on to the next one? It's okay. Oh, we, we don't have to show this one. We'll just go on. You want to let me let me go ahead and have access. She is putting me. This is not. In this right. is not the video. It's, just, the, not. it's the next one. You know what this one? This look like. What? You know the the animal that living in the desert. And put the head inside to the ostrich. Yes. Ostrich. Oh, be careful. Okay, you seen that? Yeah. You seen this is oh, the leg yes. and this is okay. Huh. Maybe I don't know. We just give them suggesting, you know. Yeah. And there we are by the ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here we go again, Doug. Uh, I don't know why, why the program is turning it like that. I don't know either. Moving and climbing and coming, and this is, this is very interesting. Flintstone. I saw several of these on the way. So he said yeah, that's flint rock. That's the why they use yeah. that rock to etch. If you look, it goes up into the mountain. Can you see that? See the darkness? All right, now we get to the golden calf altar. There's three different pictures there. So we had to we had to be illegally uh, crossing into there. They had a fence, and um, I'm not going to say who that is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I almost got arrested. No I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that was fun going underneath this. Let me explain what you're looking at. Um, this is actually. The, the golden calf altar. In other words, they put the golden calf up on these rocks. And this is the fence that's now covering it. But again, we had, had to break in. Escorts allowed for us to get in. Um, they, you know, <clears throat> I guess this has been fenced in for a while, but, um, you know, the Muslim country, they don't want this out. We're just praying that they, this all doesn't just get destroyed. And that'll be preserved. So at least right now, you know, okay, it can be fenced in um, and protected. But this is, you know, does need to be explored, excavated. But you'll see reasons why this is the Golden Calf Altar there at Jabal Al Laws. Yeah, Jim and Penny Caldwell discovered it first, and then they told Ron White, from my, my understanding. As you can see, there's some more uh, petro petroglyphs there, and you see the cow, the big cow, um, that's not etched on the rock. Yeah. The 
These are just some petroglyphs they put on just rocks of convenience. Uh, in, in my, I don't know if they have it in here, but in my talk I'm going to show you another rock. It's about the size of this whole screen here. Mm -hmm. And they, they drew out, it was like ancient people were doing everything they could to try to tell people what happened here. And this is a, the, what, what the cows looked like in ancient Egypt 33 or 3,500 years ago. They had big spots on them. Not the way they look today. They, so for whatever reason, they've changed. So they're simply trying to identify, this is on the golden calf altar. They're trying to say, this is where the golden calf was put. Ancient people trying to talk to us today. Some more drawings. Again, this is at the the golden calf altar. Yep, another one. This is not Joel. This is just a now man that was on the trip. This, he built an altar before. I like what he said. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and to rose up and play. And it's not popular in our English Bibles, but rose up and play literally means sexual orgies. It took place right here where we stand. And it was all really in the sight of God. That's what makes it even more detestable. But yet really this altar was an act of disobedience, but it was also a time for God to extend forgiveness and grace. What an amazing archaeology find, confirming that archaeology does not prove the Bible to be true. The Bible proves biblical archaeology to be true. Amen. And there I'm sitting by the, the cow. Uh, just <clears throat> in that same area, <clears throat> more petroglyphs, as they call them. Just confirming where we were. That That's a the, really good shot. Yeah. Of the two people too. No, I mean <laughs> <laughs> that 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 I mean up on top of that is where they put the golden calf. There's little question of that. More picture. That's now, this is the golden there. calf altar. altar. Yes. It's a good video right there. Mount Sinai in the background. Back behind, yeah. Okay, this is Joel um, Richardson. It says that Moses and Joshua, they could hear the sound of the golden calf worshipers. They couldn't see it. There's Mount Sinai in the back. They go, it's not, it doesn't sound like victory. It doesn't sound like defeat. It sounds like they're singing, right? And, and it sounds like they're, they're yelling. And so then it's not until he gets over the second ridge that he can see what's going on. He comes down and the, 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 the tablets were marriage certificate. It's very windy. Sorry, I can't do anything about that. I 
apologize because everyone just wants to see it, and I know everyone wants to see it. Stay right in front of us, the high pointed peak, that's the top of the mountain. As you come down, you see this very jagged ridge. That's the first ridge. Once you get up over that ridge, this is the first ridge. up there about the size of a football field. This is the top. It's oval in shape. It's like a plateau's bowl. right up there. It's like a bowl with hundred foot ridges all the way around. I made it up to about you right read there. Read the biblical account. Moses comes down the first time with the tablets. Now remember, the covenant that was made here was a betrothal marriage ceremony between right. God and Israel. In the middle of the ceremony, Moses is up there. They go, hey, Aaron, why don't you build us a, 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 an, a, an idol, a golden uh, calf idol? Now, let me just say this, too. You read the accounts. It was not solid gold. They make the idol out of wood, and they overlay it with gold. That's why Moses burnt it. You can't burn a solid gold thing. And then he put the stuff in the water. But when you read the biblical account, Moses comes down with Aaron and he says, what's that sound I hear in the camp? It's not the sound of victory or defeat. It sounds like they're singing. Why can't Moses see them? Because he's in the bowl. It's not until he gets up over the second ridge that he sees what's going on. And that's when he comes down and he destroys the marriage certificate. The covenant is off. The deal is done. He rips up the, in the middle of the wedding. They're cheating on him with a cow god. Right? And so that so it just topographically, the layout of the mountain, it makes absolute sense. So there's these petroglyphs all over this, you know, this structure. The skeptics will say, well, these are just pastoral scenes. They're just farmers, cows, you got gazelle, no big deal. There are some distinctives to these things which are exactly what we see in some of the iconography, the religious iconography in Egypt. Um, see this you see that? Holding the tail of the cow? They're trying to you tell us this. this is the golden calf altar. Yeah. Alright, so that, you know, that's not how you walk a cow. You'll see that exact imagery. I'll show you the picture later. Um, and so, then, picture this. As you look at that jagged ridge, you just come down a little bit, you can see the little black spot. That's the cave of Elijah. You can see how high up it is. So picture Elijah flees from Jezebel and Ahab. He's sitting I'll show there you going, a picture of Elijah's Lord, I'm the only one left. I'm the only faithful one. He goes, whatever, Pee-wee. Right? Like, I got 4,000 that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And as he's sitting there in the cave, he looks down and he looks at what? The golden calf altar. He goes, like, this is our history. We've been consistently unfaithful. It's always been about a faithful remnant. And then uh, just a few little things. And then the other issue is Moses comes down. He burns the calf. And he says, put it in the water, which would have been a, a, there's a reservoir up there, and make the people drink it. What happens after you drink something? A few hours later. It's going to be waste on the ground. So one minute they're bowing and worshiping the golden calf. A few hours later, God goes, where are your gods now? No. Right? He's the god of object lessons. And, or, you know, maybe it may have given him diarrhea. You know, it's kind of like that thing where if you think your, you know, wife is cheating on you, give her some ashes, man, never lakes. Well, that like, it may be related to that. Time to wrap it up? Okay. So, we leave were, it there. We they to had go. to get us out of there. Okay. We were, yeah, trespassing, so to speak. Anybody could just walk up here. Like, it's just up. 
So, you know, you go to Israel, everything's developed, and you've got your parks That's and archaeological sites, and the buses here. park here. And this is just sitting out here. Like, anyone in the world that can get, it's just, I can walk up and touch it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's yeah. so untouched, it's so pristine. Yeah. It's, um, it's really just amazing. And people can deface things. You know, there was... Um, <laughs> Far from here, there was some petroglyphs that had what really looked pretty clearly to be a menorah. Mm -hmm. well, some of the specialists say, no, it's not a menorah. It's, um, it's like a, uh, a, a letter. But I went through every example in the catalog of this letter. And the letter, most of them would have three prongs with a little bent tail. And you have a few that might have five. But really none that have seven with the, you know, and I go, that really looks like a menorah, but someone came and chiseled it and destroyed it. And, you know, because it's just sitting out in the desert for anyone. So hopefully by the grace of God, um, the government will, will protect these things. Okay, so beyond just the golden calf altar, so as you were sitting right here, again, just think of the layout of this all. They place these in very prominent, this is a billboard along what was a, a, you know, probably a road. The, the big square up here is the olive grove to the right. That's the, where the golden calf altar is. Olive grove so halfway there. between Moses' altar, you know, and, and how many people were, were they camped? You know, they could have been all throughout this area. This very prominent place, you've got pictures of all of these more cows. And I'll point this out. And I, you know, I, I came with the first time, I didn't notice this at all. You look at this, it's very primitive, but Every one of the men has an erection. You know, so, so when you read the critics, they go, are these just cows? These are just farmers. And I go, I don't know any farmers that behave this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's something happening here that's being conveyed. Which, again, it does align with the biblical narrative of they're worshiping cows. It says they ate and drank and they rose up to play. The new CSB translation says they rose up to party. Um, it has sexual connotations. Take note of this particular image. This guy is bench pressing a cow, right? What's he doing? I'll show you some images identical to this that are in the Valley of the Kings in the tomb of Pharaoh Seti I. It's religious iconography. I don't pretend to know all of the ins and outs of what this Egyptian iconography means. But this is the point. It's Egyptian religious iconography conveying the worship of a cow and so it's not a stretch to say whoever did this came from egypt you know whoever carved this at one time now yes you know it needs to be carbon dated and there's a lot of questions and there's there's different things there's one over here that i looked at and it almost kind of looked like um you know the, the early aleph like the cow head you know, there's other things like, okay, you've got a camel here. Yeah. What is this? Is that a bow and arrow? What's he doing? Uh, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to understand all the details. But I'm just going to let you take pictures and I'll shut up. But I'm going to show you on my phone here the image, let you pass it around of the person under the cow. And you just look at it and you go, that's exactly like, that's the, it's a very unusual thing, right? So. Yeah, let me, let me explain uh, what, it, what it's saying, okay? Uh, so the person under the cow 
is, is actually getting milk from the udder of the cow. So what is that? Is that gross? I guess you could do that, but that's not what it's saying. It's saying that they believed that they get their power and strength and everything is provided to them by the cow or Moloch and Baal. This is saying they worship Moloch and Baal. Isn't this amazing, though? This is right there. This is telling the whole story, the, whole, the story of what they did. Right here is uh, Mount Sinai right here. Mm-hmm. The, this, this is actually a long way from this. He's not talking about where he says that where it came down, he could see over a little plateau. Right, right there's the plateau up, up in this area here. It's hard to see from here. But this is not the plateau. This is not what he had to see over. This is close. This, well, I made it up to about right, about right in there. And it took me three and a half hours to get there. And I'm not exactly out of shape, but I told Leslie, when I got back down, I could barely walk. I've never been so exhausted in my life. Some of the people made it all the way up there. So you can make it three and a half years, or three and a half hours. Yeah, more like three and a half years. <laughs> not, not this guy. There were... Um, You'd have to be in really good shape to make it three and a half I mean, hours. It's, it's... We're going to suggest, really, unless they, you are an avid mountain climber, you really should not do this. I, when um, I came back down, I told Alyssa, mm-mm, this do was, not do this. Yeah, this, it's, it's very rugged. It's very rough. There was people that did get hurt, um, not severe, but did get hurt. There was um, one group It took eight and a half hours to come back, and we were concerned about yeah. them. We were praying for them. Uh, we're like, where are they? And they went back over on the other on the yeah, other side. Yeah, they came side, down the back side. The back side. And came, and came down to a road and had our drivers go pick them up. And they said, have water for us. Because most people had ran out of water. And they, they were obviously shaken. There was um, one man that he was talking to Sharonda and I. He could barely talk. Mm-hmm. He was. You could tell they were very shaken. I, I believe several of them thought they were going to die up there. I'm not. I'm not joking. They thought they were going to die. Several of the women had nightmares for the next three nights of uh, just dreaming of falling and dreaming of um, uh, Mount Sinai, and it was it was a very treacherous thing. So it's not for just anyone to go do. You know, you think, yeah, I'll climb up Mount Sinai, but then you get there like, oh, wow, okay, that's, that's, that's pretty high. Just, just like the, the split rock. You looked up at that, and I said, how tall is that? A eh, couple of stories. <laughs> no, no. From the base of it, it's at least 10, if not 15 stories tall. And you look at that Mount Sinai, and you think, ah, I can do that. Wrong. I mean, halfway up. Another thing, Joel said, do you have a walking stick? No. Oh, I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. He said, well, I'll let you borrow my walking stick. And I said, all right, fine, whatever. Well, Bub, it wasn't just five minutes later. I was real glad I had a walking stick. And it helped me going up a lot because it gave me three points to move up instead of just two points. But on the way down, I, I told Leslie, I said, it probably saved me from falling at least 30 times beca- because I could put the stick down and ease myself down because I'm, what, what I'm trying to say is if you want to go on one of these trips, yes, we're going to be able to send you to Joel to do that. But if you go, A, I recommend you be in your 30s and no more than 
40s. There's a few people. One guy made it 85 years old. He made it back also with a the big. Head. Yeah, busted head. <laughs> he, he fell one they, time. They were concerned. He said they said he fell at four his, yards. Yeah. When we were rolled. when we were coming down, about halfway down, his wife decided to come down, and when she said she was going down, I said, ah, me too. So we both. Went and down. she passed out on stage. That was that's the story yeah. about telling. Okay, so we sat down. She didn't sit down saying, "Hey, I'm tired. Or I'm dizzy. I need to rest." I said, "Okay, hang on." Because this is going down. We, every 15, 20 minutes, we'd have to stop and rest. We'd have to stop and rest. So we sat down, and, and that's another thing. We're getting water. This little thing on my back held three liters of water. Had a little hose coming up. You think, oh, really? Yes, really. Because you're drinking water almost constantly. And you think, okay, so you're up there three and a half hours. Did you have to go to little boy's room up there? No, I didn't. My body absorbed all of the water going in, all of it. Uh, so anyway, we sat down, and I was just catching my breath and resting. All of a sudden, I heard this clunk. I turned around, and this lady had just passed out. Her head hit the rock. Her glasses were, you know, crooked, and she was out, gone. So I turned around, and of course, we had a guide going down with us. Thank you. And uh, him and I both, you know, we set her back up, and, but she woke up within probably 15, 20 seconds. But still, I'm just, just it's, it was not easy. I consider myself pretty good in shape, but I told Leslie, I said, I just do not have the strength in my body. I do we not were, have the strength to do it. We were lucky that Stan was our, our advocate because we stayed at the bottom. Yeah. We, stayed at the we were, were going to go climb. We were going to go to Moses's altar, and the closer we got, all three of us were like, uh, "Never mind. I don't think I want to." Try yeah. this. Going to Moses' altar is like a walk in the park. Yeah, and it's not I, easy. And I'm this, saying, walk in the this park is Mount sure. Sinai. You see how black it is, on top of it, and is right here. This is yes. this is uh, Elijah's <clears throat> cave right here. I'll show you a bigger picture of it here in just a minute. And Sharon and Brandon and I were going to go. Then we heard. That's more difficult to get to than the top of Mount Sinai. We're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll wait right here in the shade, okay, yeah. in the tent. So, yeah. How much of that would you say is burned? Like how, how it's, burned? oh, a lot. Uh, what what, what was your question? It's burned. It's just, uh, it's dark. I don't know why it's dark. Uh, do you know why it's dark up there, the burn? Uh, it's, well, some people think it's because the fire of God was on top of the mountain. Uh, but also, as you look at the mountain, there's is just a different color of rock up there. It's just a black rock. It's like some of the other areas, like the Flint, but it definitely stands out, right? I mean, it's like, and it's the high peak. I know it doesn't look like it because of the angle, but this is the higher peak right here, and that's where most of it went to the high. I peak. wish I had a little GPS unit with me. I wish I had. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you what. I, it'll record that. It did record it. I can go back and look and see what my height was at one point versus when I went up there. But I do know the top of it is like 5,000 feet. So probably, I'm going to say it's uh, 4,500 feet climb. It's, it's at about an angle like this, but there are places where it's like this. But the difficult part is two things, in my opinion. The, the rocks, some are rocks, football size. Some are are beach ball size, but some are this big, and you walk up, okay, how am I going to get up on that? 
pain. <laughs> and I mean, it was, and the second thing that was difficult, the most, the most dangerous part was not the big rocks, but the little rocks that are like little BBs, the little ball bearings. Yeah. And you hit them and whoop, and you're on your face. So that's the reason I, I'm so glad I had that walking stick. I still have the walking stick. Yeah, I I'll bring gave it, it back to him. Week. He said, no, I put it on the wall, keep it. I, I, we'll bring it next <laughs> week. You'll see how it was well used. Uh, this is the campsite at the base of Mount Sinai where most of us stayed. Sean and Brandon, I think, went back to the hotel, but uh, we camped out there at the base of Mount Sinai that night because uh, Stan was going to get up really early to go to climb. 6.30. This was... Um, they had they they really had a nice setup. This was like a carpet and all these chairs, and they cooked out for us. I mean, the food we ate, yeah, food was good. Food yeah, everywhere food, we whole, went. Lots of it. All a lot you of, wanted. Yeah, a lot of food everywhere we went. I mean, several times a day, it was always very very good. But this was at the base of Mount Sinai, so it was just it was kind of nice to be there. This, this is, is the, the lady yeah. that passed out. Yeah, this is the lady that passed out. This is in his name, Keith, Keith and Joanne. Yeah, Keith and Joanne. You you can't see it here. That was before. This, well, this, this was before. I was going to say, you can't see it right now because he hasn't climbed. Tomorrow he's going to climb. <laughs> but right there, we may have a picture of it, but yeah, it's all busted up. And she fell. She was right behind me, and she fell over on this side. So he had a scratch here. She had a scratch here. It was and more than a scratch. Yeah, Joanne yeah. was a, a wanderer. We would look at, where's Joanne? <laughs> Joanne was just always gone. Yeah, they were they were quite dynamic older couple. They were amazing. He's eighty five. Yeah. And he lived. He was determined he was going to, to go. Time. I think it's second, third time he's been there. Yeah. And he was determined this time he was going to make it to the top. Uh, this is camping out. These are they they really set up nice tents, huh? Do what? Your tabernacle. I know my tabernacle, right? <laughs> this was uh, out there in the, the desert. It was pretty awesome, really. Let's, uh, let's, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah, I've got to go get to the camping part, and then we're stopping it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I want to make a comment. Okay. I, uh, go back to the camping part. Okay. In case you're thinking about putting this on your bucket list to go, I would strongly recommend that you go. Yeah. This tour absolutely lit my fire for miracles. Mm -hmm. We walked the steps of Moses. Later on, we're going to show you Elam, and absolutely positively, without any doubt, we know several times we walked on the, the ground where Moses and the children of Israel walked. Yes. And it, it'll light your fire for the gospel, light your fire for the Bible, and gives you tools to where you can talk to any atheist, any skeptic, and you will be, once you've gone to this tour, you've seen, even just watching this will give you a lot of, of tools, but going there, when, when you can say, look, I've stood at the place where they came out of the Red Sea. I've stood there. I've walked down Elam. Okay, so it gives you a lot of strength to convince people in the strength of the Bible. Okay, go ahead. And, uh, you know, it was a beautiful evening as we're sitting there getting ready to eat and everything. This was um, outside of our tent. I just took a picture. In the night. The, yeah, in the night with the moon and everything. It was beautiful. North Star. These, of course, it's going to have these little green specks. That's not a UFO. It's just it's how it comes out with your phone. <laughs> Those are camels. What? I'm kidding. Oh. Um, this was our tent right here. On the end. See a little bit better. This was our tent. That bed 
is hard as a rock. I mean, you are sleeping on an air mattress on sand. I, know. So. I don't know. I, I know. thought it was. I I'm thought it was actually okay. These, these, it was, uh, was kind of interesting though because these, these are sleeping bags we had. I don't know how anybody other than me could fit in one of those. <laughs> they were children-sized sleeping bags, really. I mean, I, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I was like, well, stand, so I've got to go to the bathroom. you got to walk. Well, they had like a little porta potty thing. We walk over there, and they're driving off with it. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> but anyway, and I said, you didn't sleep in your sleeping bag? He goes, I didn't fit. I'm like, oh, well, I guess not. But I was like, I don't know if anybody else could have fit one of those things. It was. We but, discovered that there's a little potty just on the outside <laughs> of our camp. Right. Matter of fact, we discovered that there's potties all over. All over. over. <laughs> yeah, I always got the. You want to go 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 on an adventure? I'm like, huh? Oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> uh, Doug, I had, I can't move it. I have one more. No. We're almost done for this. This. Um, move two. Okay, so this, I'll just this move show two. this, and then we're gonna stop. This is uh, Elijah's cave right here. That little black spot. So we'll talk about that when yeah, we, we come back. Pictures. Right. Is this interesting? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, oh, here's me in my tent. It wasn't American food. I was in the tent. Stan was out there talking to people, and so I thought, i got to get a picture of myself in this tent <laughs> on my bed. And I, we had, it, you know, the part of the, the flap opens for the window part, and that was my view. So it was pretty awesome. All right, well, God bless each one of you for being here with us this morning for the 930 service. We'll meet back in 15 minutes for our second service. Time to get started and praise our God. Amen. Oh, you guys are fired up this morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. Lord, you are worthy and worthy to be praised. We give you all the honor and all the glory. We look to you, King of Kings, our majesty, our Father, our friend in heaven. Lord, you are worthy, and you are alive and here today. Hallelujah. When I see is the battle, you see my victory. Yes, you do, Father. When all I see is a mountain, you see the mountain move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I will fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet. I sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Hallelujah. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. And when I see your delights, you see the beauty. Yes, you do, Lord. 
give you the praise and give you all the honor give thanks to the lord our god and king his love endures forever for he is good he is above all things his love endures forever come on sing praise His love endures forever For the life that's been reborn His love endures Come on, lift your hands Sing praise Lord, we sing praise Sing praise Sing praise Sing praise Sing praise Forever, God is Forever God is strong Forever God is with us Forever and ever Forever Hallelujah 
From the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever. By the grace of God will carry on, His love endures forever. Sing praise, oh, sing praise, sing praise, hallelujah, sing praise, sing praise, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever. person next to you and tell him that God is faithful and he is strong. His love endures forever. Singing Jesus loves you. Come on, singing Jesus loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say Jesus loves you. And his love endures forever. Hallelujah, sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. upon that cross for our freedom. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well Spirit lives within me because you died and rose again. love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, how It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. 
time forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned and I'm alive and well your spirit lives within me because you died and rose again and amazing love how can it be that you my king when died for me Whoa. amazing love I know it's true and it's my joy Right now, why would 
Serve our praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Amen and hallelujah. Thank you, praise and worship team. Hallelujah. We're going to get set up again for continue our about our trip to um, Saudi Arabia. If we get time, we'll go back and look at some of the pictures from Dubai. Um, In the next two Sundays at least, and then probably the Sunday after our Thanksgiving dinner on the 13th, maybe three Sundays, uh, probably Pastor Stan will have to be sharing about um, the trip that we took to Mount Sinai. Uh, There's a lot and a lot of information, um, a lot of good footage, a lot of uh, Bible reading that we need to do to understand where we were. So if you didn't join us this morning at 930, I encourage you to go back and check. um, I guess it would be, would they be able to go back to Prophecy Club and watch that? Yeah, Prophecy Club. Prophecy Club. I think it's on Spirit of Prophecy Church. We should have Spirit of Prophecy Church YouTube now. If we don't, you can go to Prophecy Club and and also go back and watch. But we are working on, if it's not there yet, we are working on a YouTube for Spirit of Prophecy Church. So praise the Lord about that. Let me just uh, start with prayer. Okay. Father, we counted a privilege and an honor that you've written our name in the book of life and that you've called us to serve you. Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name, for thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And Lord, we thank you that you've shown us the deep and secret things in the steps of Moses and the children of Israel. Some of the greatest miracles in human history. Thank you, Lord. Open our eyes, help us to see in our heart to understand what was done in Jesus' name. When before Moses was put into that little basket that was sealed so it would float with tar and crude oil, before Moses came along, before the Ten Commandments were given, up to that point, the only way a person's sins could be forgiven was through animal sacrifice. And at that time, most of the world was not doing animal sacrifice. The Bible says that broad is the way, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
and many there be that go with there at. Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to eternal life, and few there be that find it. When we get into eternity, and we can look back and see how many people came into the kingdom between the flood and Moses getting those Ten Commandments, it's probably going to be very few. But the Ten Commandments was the eternal God reaching down and giving people an easier way. Before then, they didn't know the way to eternal life. The way was to not sin, but good luck with that. So when God reached down through the clouds and handed the Ten Commandments to Moses, he was saying at this point, this is the easiest way. Now after that point, I mean, God's going to have to judge that how God's going to have to judge that. But at least the Ten Commandments gave us a way. When Leslie and I, Brandon and Sharonda, went over to Saudi Arabia, yeah, there was a little fun. Somebody said what it cost. I said, well, with all the airfare and everything, probably about $10,000 a person. Would you say that's about right? Okay. And by the way, none of that came from the church, not a dime. I can tell you where it came from. <laughs> we got to see the evidence of some of the greatest miracles in human history. We stood where Moses and the children of Israel came out of the Red Sea. Of course, Leslie and I have also been to where they went in. Yeah. So we've been on the Egyptian side and also on the Saudi Arabia side. We walked down Elam. And I'm going to cover that in my talk next week. Can we turn that down a little bit? It's like the wind tunnel through yeah, here. Can you get my water, would you? we got to keep moving. we got a lot of slides. Just a minute. Mm -hmm. We walked down Elam. We climbed, or at least got to the foot of Mount Sinai, some of us. We walked in some of the places where Moses and the children of Israel walked. Some of the greatest times, I mean, as I told them, it, it's, it's lit my fire for the miracles and the steps of Moses. It's just, it, it's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing we saw. So put it on your bucket list. Uh, before you go see Jesus, you want to go see this. You want to, <laughs> before you go see Jesus, you want to go see this. Okay, so Leslie, head All right, on. here we go. So here we are the morning of, uh, about 6.30 in the morning in, uh, at Mount Sinai, and it is in Saudi Arabia. It is not in Israel. Uh, there is a traditional site. Or Egypt. Or Egypt. It's not in Egypt. It's, there is a traditional site for Mount Sinai. But, um, and people there, you know, they take people there. But there's not evidence uh, that shows that that's where it's at. But this is, definitely has proof that this is where Mount Sinai is that the, where the golden calf altar was, where Moses' altar is, uh, and so forth and so on, which we're going to show you some of those things this morning. Um, this, the 6.30 in the morning, right before they started climbing up to Mount Sinai, uh, several of us stayed back. We prayed while they were gone, um, fellowshiped, and uh, some read scriptures and walked around. But this was all of them gathering together to pray, and I snapped this picture before they went out. 
Uh, right here is, uh, oops, let me go. well, that's even a better picture. Um, this is uh, Elijah's cave. Uh, wanted to climb. <coughs> Sharonda Brain and I wanted to go do that, but then we heard it was more terrain and more treacherous and more difficult to get to than the top of Mount Sinai. So it's like, okay, well, I guess we'll stay down here and yeah. pray. Yep. We'll stay in the tent in the shade. It was still hot, but yes. there, at least there was a breeze. Actually, there was quite a bit of a breeze. So let me just read these uh, scriptures to you because that's where this took place with Elijah. In 1 Kings 19, 9 through 12, it says, And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he, he said, I have been very jealous for the God of hosts, for the children of Israel, forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I even, I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So he was not a happy camper. So he went to this cave, and he saw what they had done. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great, wind, great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, then we all know we can hear the Lord by that still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in the mantle and he went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have... Is this the same thing? No. Forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I even only I am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go return on the way to the wilderness. So he repeated this stuff to the Lord. On the way to Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu the son of Nimshah shall thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah the son of Shaphat and, and, and Bamola shalt thou anoint to be thy prophet in thy room. So this was, that was where this took place, was right here. Can you turn her down a little? Right in the center of the photograph for those of you that don't see the green line. I can't feel it. Is this your water, babe? Did you no. want this water? I got water. Okay. Put it down. Anyway, so now the people are climbing Mount Sinai. And so these, um, these are some of the ones. They didn't quite make it to the top, but they, some of the ones from towards at the top took the picture. Uh, they, you can see how rough terrain this is and how difficult this is to get up this mount. Uh, here's some pictures at the top of people when they got up to the top of Mount Sinai had taken. Actually, let me say something about that. Okay. Uh, having been there, <laughs> uh, that's a picture of about a third of the way up. Okay. I didn't think it was at the top. But the, uh, right here is, on up here, is where the water comes running off of the mountain. This is uh, kind of a river there where it runs down and on. And right down in here is Moses' altar, which we walked by about an hour ago, and on over here. Over here is the, the camp where we stayed. Uh, back down in some place in this area, I can't see it here, is the golden uh, calf altar. Just so, But anyway, 
as you can see, it's it, this is the e this would be easy to climb, and even then it's still risky because you got all the little rocks, little boulders, little BBs and ball bearings that your your foot slides out from under. It's easy to fall. So this is probably about a third of the way up, you think? Yeah, probably a third of the way up. Uh, here's some uh, more um, petroglyphs. petroglyphs that they found. They don't know what they're saying, but they're trying to give the message. More petroglyphs. Was this somebody's tent? That is a tent from somebody that is staying there. We didn't go up and knock on the door. <laughs> so. Yeah. Go ahead. This is at the top of Mount Sinai. Yeah, no, this is looking down from the top, which I did not make. So you Praise see the, the black rock up there. It's just black. Uh, it's you know, a lot of, probably a lot of flint. See this right here, that little green patch? If you'll keep noticing that, that is kind of a marker to let you know where we are. Right, I'm trying to still get my bearings, but I think, I know it's real close to this where the golden calf altar is. I think it's like right there. It might be on over here. Uh, when they pulled up and parked, I think they parked down here. So from here to here, if you're very athletic, it's three and a half to four hours to climb to that point. Maybe we should just mute the sound on that. No, it's okay, because I don't want to have to on and off. Okay, this is at the top of Mount Sinai looking down. Looks like it's on the back side here, maybe. Well, leg day is only half over because we got to the top, and now we got to go back down. <laughs> I cut off my... We have reached the top. About 5,000 feet up. That's one of the guides in the blue. So the view from the top. Is this the same video? Down there in the valley is where there's the uh, golden calf altar. So Moses would have been able to see it from here. Obviously, the conditions might have been a little. And Moses quiet. didn't have anything to eat or drink for 40 days because he was in the presence of God. Oh, uh, no, we didn't do 10,000? This is just a tree that's up there. Uh, no, it's not the burning bush, that's somewhere else. I love this picture. Actually, the guy with the big cane, uh, that's the walking stick, I should say. That's um, the archaeologist that went, and uh, it's almost like it looks like Moses <laughs> to me up there at the top of um, Mount Sinai. But isn't that just a beautiful picture? It's just gorgeous. Yeah, they took a, um, a long time to get up there. And then this is the base of Mount Sinai there in Saudi Arabia. So Brandon and Sharon and I. Uh, we just prayed and did a prophetic act there at the base of uh, Mount Sinai. You know, everywhere that our foot trotteth, so is we're taking it back for the 
to the web. <coughs> so where in the world is Pastor Stan? Can you find him? Where, where, yeah. <laughs> where is he? I, I think I see him. I see him. I, see him. I, I see found him. him. Are you going to show him? Right there. He's in that little white speck. This is, what is this? This is when he was coming down. Where is Wally or something like that? Waldo. Waldo. um, You know, with um, Japan and Sharana, we just kept looking at that mountain, looking at the mountain, looking at the mountain. I'm like, are they ever going to come back down? Is everybody ever going to come back down? Yeah, and then we see a white shirt. Praise God you were wearing a white shirt. Good thing it wasn't Santa. Praise time. God I made it down. Yes, I know. Uh, we're coming down with this walking stick, and so, yeah. Yeah, this, okay. is, on, this is the last block between <laughs> being. I, I literally, I could barely walk. I had to have that walking stick to walk. Just every muscle in my body was just shot. This is Moses' altar. Uh, Stan will explain yeah, me, more of this next explain, week. Sure. Let me explain this to you. Uh, is there a better picture here? Let's go to the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I'll, I'll back up here. Okay, so where the animal is had its throat cut and bled out is here. And I think what they did was take the animal back behind the rock, and they had all of the animals lined up here because they sacrificed several hundred of them, sheep and goats, Bible tells you what they did. So they brought them in, and then they were in line here. They'd turn around and come back down here. So why did they turn it like this? Because if the animals see their fate, they're not going to be happy about it. So they keep it turning, and then at the last minute, they bring the animal around here so that the rest of the folks can't see them getting their throat cut because they sacrificed a lot of them. And this is at the base. Getting from the car to here took 10, 15 minutes, walking the park. But after this, it's up at an angle about like that. Now, if you back up, that big rock is right here. So they, they went down behind here, behind a rock, I think you can't see it here, and did the sacrifice. Not letting me rotate here. You want to tell them about that? These are pillars. You remember he had the 12 pillars? They're supposed to be stacked on top of each other. Yes. Okay. These are 12. There's 12. I don't know how many did you count. How many did you count, Brandon? It was 12. You counted until you mm-hmm. found 12? You, so, had to, you had to look, but they were there. They were there. Uh, and I heard somebody else had counted all 12 of them also. 12 pillars that they had for the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, another indication that this is um, Moses' altar. Yeah, it's a big thing. Uh, this is a couple of ladies that were on the trip. They went over there to see Moses' altar. And there, we saw him walking. There was a shepherd there uh, with his flock of, of sheep. And they got a picture uh, with him. Is that a cell phone in his hand? He's, um, yeah, of course, they're, you know, they're probably wondering. Um, he's probably wondering, what are these people doing here on my terrain? <laughs> but uh, that's what a shepherd guy looks there in that area. And here we go. I'm all about the camels, guys. All about the camels. These uh, wild camels just roaming and walking. And Notice how big their feet are, their hooves, how they spread out so that they don't sink down in the sand. There goes the baby. Hey, don't leave me. 
specifically adapted. I mean, uh, just a, a little thing about the camel. Their eyelashes are really, really long and thick, so when they close their eyes like that, they can still see through it, even in a sandstorm. Also, their nostrils, when their nostrils close, they have a lot of um, little bitty hairs on them, so they can close their nostrils, even in a sandstorm, still breathe clean air, still see through their eyes, and that hump there, yes, does carry a lot of water. They're specifically designed to live in this kind of environment. About the only thing they can, I might you know, um, I And lizards. One of the <laughs> yeah, they were lizards. <laughs> one of the things that uh, I forgot to tell you is that the archaeologists, he, he and a couple others were about the first ones back. The first ones to the top, first ones back. We either had, I don't know, 10 or so, still had made it yeah. back, like at least, even after, I mean, it took them, like I said, eight and a half hours for that team to get back. Um, and there was a, a guide that was taking them down, and so the archaeologist goes, no, follow where the camels have been, because they're poop, done. they're done. <laughs> and he's like, follow their path, follow it, because if they can go there, then we can go there, right? And so finally, the, the archaeologist took over just guiding them back down, because you, you think you could just go up the same way, and then you come back down the same way, and there's like, no, it doesn't work that way. So True. he goes, no, follow where the camels are. And sure enough, there was a group that were getting lost, and their God was all the way, keep, keep taking them back up, back up, back up, and they were trying to go back down, back down, back down. And, and finally, they're like, we are out of water. We've got to go down. We've got to go down. And because uh, they didn't hear the archaeologist's recommendation, follow where the camels have been. And so I thought, well, follow if I'm ever lost, there. I will follow, follow where the, the camels, camels have been. Yeah. But, so that's, that's, if you ever go, and that's what you, if you go up there, that's what you need to do. Follow the dung. <laughs> we saw a bunch of these signs. Animal Crossing. <laughs> Animal Crossing, right there. What'd you say? That's what we do in the church. Follow the dung, you know. The dung? Never mind, never mind. Your jokes are just not funny yeah. most of the time. <laughs> and that was not funny. Kendall, that was not funny. You're not laughing, Kendall. Well, you are laughing. Never mind. <laughs> Notice I didn't include her. Here's some baby camels. Aren't they cute? Some of them are white. Yeah, some are white, some are brown, some are black, gray. They were all different colors. I was kind of just shocked about it. Does this move? You can see, I mean, they're really, they're very, very docile. You know, this guy's just walking, one of the guys is just walking up to them. If he had some bread, bread. yeah, bread. They love bread. love bread. I don't think you're running. Can you turn him up? Turn her up. I guess I never got tired of the camels. Some day. <laughs> They're big. Good picture. And yeah, my hat fit Brandon better. <laughs> Look good, huh? He did. Uh, this is just some of the scenery there. Um, the formations of these rock 
they're really truly Rocky Mountains. <laughs> That's where the real Rocky Mountains are, because they are definitely just rock. You just see the different colors of the terrain. Just wanted to show you just it's like so interesting how God created this. It's just so interesting. Look like Star Wars. It's really um, amazing. Matter of fact, a not, lot of movies really were shot in these areas. Not much green, because now we're going to be coming to one of the places where they said that they crossed um, over the Red Sea, but we do not believe that's where it was. It was so windy. So windy. As you can see. <laughs> Wind blow. I was to take a picture with Leslie, and it was all in her face, and I was like, okay, turn your head when I say three, turn back. So it so was then that's horrible. <laughs> she had to hold me so I wouldn't fly away. Just holding her arm. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> see that again? Ah, I'm serious. It was so bad. Uh, we took a picture of these guys because they all had pretty much the same colored pants on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're called the Straits of Tehran. Can you hear it? This was not the true crossing, so we're going to move on. So don't tell them what you're going to say that is yet. I'm going to say it next week. But I'll this was just a, a really cool formation out there, right? <laughs> Looks like a little shoot. Next, shoot. next, next. There you go. Here's where we went to eat. Just a kind of cool place there. Just beautiful scenery. Warm place. More camels and a truck. Okay, here's some very wonderful uh, spot. That's uh, actually two pictures. That is two pictures, but it's just it's um, different different shots about it. As you can see, where in the world is Sharonda? <laughs> <laughs> I would, Leslie's like, get a picture if you can get a picture of the hole from the bottom to the top. So I was down there, and they were taking pictures of me in my different poses, trying to get pictures for Leslie. We were talking about and they were talking about me. Didn't think I could hear them, but I could. <laughs> I like this shot, too. You can just see the two different shots here on how the curvature of there. But one of the guys, oh, no, I guess it was Joel that said that there's a legend. I don't, it's not scriptural that I see, but that even God split this rock. Uh, the rock is when they came. And it could be because, like he did split the Red Sea, but as they came across and right here, split the rock, too, because it's, that's almost what it looks, could look like. This is at uh, Elam, or we'll talk about it here in just a minute. Stanwell Elam. Okay, this this fault. one is. Hey, Doug, can you come back in here, Doug? Because this video needs to be switched around. I want y'all to see this. It's pretty cool. It's the next slide. The video's turned. We don't know why when it comes makes the trip through the air. <laughs> It messes up my videos sometimes. It's the next video. It's the next slide. It's not this one. It's the next one. This is from the top oh, going down. That makes more sense. 
<laughs> and there they are. <laughs> so this is another thing they're all askew too. I don't know why. And no, they're not that fat either. No. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> There's Stan and I, back up in, and little ways back up in there. Just some more. Okay, let me explain. I, I'm going to explain more in detail in my talk, but essentially, this is Elam, and it's a crack in the rocks. They came out of the Dead Sea. They went down, and through here, there are 12 wells of water, according to the Bible, and 70 palm trees. This is absolutely positively one of the places where Moses and the children of Israel walked. So we walked without a question where Moses and the children of Israel walked. Down this way. This is Elam. Don't tell me it wasn't recording. Good grief. It was. I got a great shot. <laughs> it was recording. <laughs> no, well, one wasn't recording. Oh. <laughs> This was so massive. It was so awesome. Such a great experience. Some more footage of it walking up there. It would take, you know, a four-wheel drive to get through there. But you can get through there. <clears throat> this is granite. This was just not a washed He said this is granite. This was a great crack. Also notice all of the feathers. There's feathers all over here. So there's a massive bird of prey that is eating a lot of other birds. Sort of. So as you can see, we were just on the Red Sea. As we come out, we'll stop and take some more pictures because out there with the palms, just the face of this is an amazing natural wonder. Amazing natural wonder. So four and a half years ago when I came the first time, this was just a place that people would come, you know, outdoorsmen, to go camping, this and that. So after I had gone to the mountain the first time, we were very concerned. We're sneaking into the mountain. We're not sure. Is it legal? Is it not? Hopefully we heard some Bedouins were shooting at people a few days before I was there. But we did that part, and now we're going to come here. We're going to drive through and camp. And through, we thought everything's fine. So we came in from the other side. After we leave here, it's blocked off now. We can't drive through. So we're going to have to go all, go all the hear, way right? around. We're going to come to the other side, which is one of the possible locations of the biblical Elim. Elim, right? So we'll see that. It's neat. This gorge is just, it's whatever you call it. It's ridiculous. And it goes, it takes about an hour to drive from one side to the other. There's some, um, there's some springs you can see up here. It's running. And it, if you taste it, it's very salty. Just interesting for spring, it's very salty. But so, I'll just tell the story because it's fun. So we were with my friends, we rented some land cruisers, we damaged them very much. So we drove, we drove down through, and we came out, there was a big structure right here, it was kind of like a bridge to make sure that people couldn't drive all the way through. So as we got here, it was just getting dark, we parked the land cruisers, we walked out the rest of the way, and it was dark. You saw the gate, on the road there. So we didn't quite, you know, again, we're not from here, don't really know where we are. 
the guy, one of the guys that works on the East Coast, he said there's like a military installation over here, so we got to be careful, but we've said, let's go in the Red Sea, and it was magical. Just, you know, six guys just get in our underwear, hop in the Red Sea, like, this is great. And then I said, all of a sudden my spidey senses went up, and I said, I think we need to get out now. And so we get out, because I didn't want to all of a sudden have a bunch of military guys or cops come in my underwear. I just, I had it. And so then we get out and we walked just across the gate and so let's take a picture. And we took a picture and all of a sudden headlights. And now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, my high school brain kicked in and we all ran. <laughs> like a bunch of, and we had one of the guys had his, it was, that was his 13th or his 12th birthday that day. So we ran up here. Oh, except for one of the guys, this very sweet British, uh, actually he's an Australian guy that um, looks like George, a slightly older George Clooney, had sprained his ankle real severely. So we all ran and he says, you guys go ahead, you know, you all go ahead. So the, the, they pulled up, it was a car of, of military border guards or whatever. And also, <laughs> it's at night. And they pull up to the gate, and they look to their right, and there's this gentleman standing there in his underwear. <laughs> oh, hello! <laughs> like, you know, and and so he, he just said, and he just walks across the gate and just walks up here, and we're all hiding in the palm trees, and I throw him on my shoulder, and we just ran up here. So they had to get past the gate. So we get up here, we grab the Land Cruisers, we start turning around. We're just going to take off. Why? I don't know. All of a sudden I look back, headlights everywhere. I hear yelling, and I, I said, we gotta go back. There's 50 soldiers, machine guns. They're yelling. I mean, it was bad, right? It's a drone. And uh, no one spoke English, and they're, the gun's out, and you know, and we're just like, so after about 20 minutes, a guy comes up, and he's just yelling at us, what are you doing? And then, you know, we're just, what, what you do when you get in trouble like that, you just go, hey, <laughs> smile on neck down. And so then another guy comes up and he says, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And we said, we're just camping. We're going to go camping. And he said, why did you run? We go, I don't know. And he said, I commanded my men to shoot you. And we're like, well, thank you that you didn't shoot us. So anyway, that was, and then he said, well, this is a big fine, $3,000 each. And we said, we don't have 3000 <laughs> And so then anyway, finally the 13-year-old started crying, and he said, okay, okay, you're just here for camping, fine. Anyway, the point is they thought we were smugglers. This is a huge smuggler's route. They come in from the Egypt, smuggle all kinds of stuff, and so it made sense. When you go up here, there's a few little valleys that turn off. You'll find little ladders, wheelbarrows, okay? So they're smuggling all kinds of stuff up. So he said, you're just going up here and camping? And we said, yeah. And so this is after like an hour of interrogation. He's got this big spotlight, and then he says, okay, fine, you can camp, we'll leave you. And then he says, he's just sleeping on the ground? We're like, yeah, we got sleeping bags. He goes, that's not very smart. At night, all of the big snakes come out of the ground. Oh, We're like, adios, you jerk. So anyway, that was the fun story. Okay, where are we? So, it's a natural, beautiful place. Does it have anything to do with the Exodus? We don't know, but there is a local, the local <coughs> legend of the place says that when Moses struck the sea, it split, that it came all the way, and this itself split as well. 
and so they, there's a legend that when the sea, the sea split, we're a bit north. That's not correct. I believe north of Nueva, maybe we're, it's, we're, we're diagonal quite a bit from Nueva. The idea is that the sea split, they walked and they kept coming right up through here. Whether there's any truth to that, we don't know. But when we do get up to the other side, it would be reverse because Elim, they get to Elim and then after Elim is the bitter waters, but that would actually be this way if that indeed is what it is, but we'll see it. So there's really not much more to say other than it's absolutely beautiful. I did see the uh, uh, architect's plans in the news about two months ago that portray a massive giant hotel right at the mouth of this, which would be really disappointing, but. Well, it's a couple of the drivers and guides. You can just see how massive it is. I mainly wanted you to see how little those cars look just in this massive area. Now we're going to get to Elam and the 12 wells, the 70 palm trees. This is the same place, though. Yeah, it's on the other side. Like, you go, you go through, you walk all the way through, and then this is on the other side. And um, this is, you know, Stan and I and, and Sean and Brenna were like, I always thought Elam was a, like a city, a place. So I'll let Stan explain. Okay, so if you look at the bottom here, you see these big boulders. Well, those have been put in by man to block the smugglers. We are on, how do I say, if the, the sea is over here and Elam goes in and it winds through the cliffs, this is the, the place where they block the smugglers from getting through with these big rocks. So on the other side here, this, is heading actually down towards the sea. If these rocks weren't here, you could go from the sea all the way through there. So what we had to do from the far side, way over here an hour away, was where we just were. Then we got back in the cars and it took us about an hour, an hour and a half to go around. Now we're on the other side of this. So we saw the entrance and the exit part of Elam. We didn't go up through a lot of this, but in my talk, I'm going to show you this aerial photographs. It's going to be really cool. Uh, but that's nevertheless some of the palm trees. That's the reason we think it's Elam. Absolutely, positively, Moses yeah. and the children of Israel came through here. So, so interesting. And there are 12 wells. There definitely are. Uh, and you, you're just in the middle of, like, rock and desert, and then all of a sudden there's these palm trees. 15, after they come to the place of Mar, uh, the waters. Oh, it's the next slide. Maybe you should stay there. <laughs> it's an important talk, or I would just pass on through it. So I want you to hear his explanation um, regarding this. Those rocks are about the size of a car. Fifteen. After they come to the place of Mar, the bitter waters, you just have this one verse. Verse 27, then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. That's all there is. Is this Elim? Again, I don't know. I do. It's, it is. I don't know that we can ever really determine if something is Elim, if some, but it's, it's possible, and it is kind of a magical, beautiful place. You're out here in this dry desert, and all of a sudden, there's palm trees, there's, there's wells, and so it's kind of a neat personal story that they have. Um, He's talking about you know, Jim and Penny again, Caldwell who found it. Places on the itinerary, the wandering, it's very difficult. 
Um, it's difficult enough to declare something as significant as Sinai with all the evidence. But of these things, you know, we, we don't know. But it is pretty wild that you've got 12 wells. How long they've been here, I don't know the whole history. Obviously, they've been modernized with the cement. But So we'll let you all walk around. I mean, I, 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 we're just talking on the way down about Jim and Penny Caldwell. And um, I don't think... I won't say this, but I'll just, I'll just say this. So Jim and Penny were working in the oil industry on the East Coast, and um, they they started coming over here as a family with their two, with their son and daughter. And you have to think, this is in the early 90s, before cell phones, before this. This whole area was profoundly much more remote. Even the development that's here now is way beyond what there was. And they would just explore. I mean, you think of what it would take in the car, and hoping a lot, hoping we don't get flat tires and this and that, and just, they would explore, and so in the midst of everything, they were driving through this, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're kind of going through this big wadi, there's some acacia trees, and all of a sudden they come upon this big oasis, and as you saw coming in, there's some wells, and there literally is this, you know, the Saudis have turned them into, you can go look at some of the wells, there's 12. And, um, and, you know, as it says here, I'll just, I mean, they're right there. I'll wait for that. Well, I'm just going to read it. So, after the Song of Moses, after they crossed the Red Sea, chapter 15, verse 22, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the desert and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. This is not Marah. Therefore they named it Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then they cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters. Yeah, it's not Marah, it's Elam. Sweet. So you got the place of bitter waters. Okay. Now again, down on the other side of the thing, the water is very salty. Is it possible that that's the place? Salim said there's a few other places that they have where the waters are very bitter, you know, in the area. It could be any number of places. I'll actually wait till they get out. There's a well they have uh, put the cement around it. There were 12 of them. David, I can't move it. Let me, let me point while he's getting there. So you can walk on back in here and around the corner here. I don't know if you can. Off there, there were some palm trees. <laughs> I, I was very impressed with Elam. Whoa, what happened? Doug. We went to. Doug. Oh, Doug. <laughs> Doug is a, reg a resident techie guy. <clears throat> they get frozen. Interesting. Yeah. Any questions? Any comments? Next week, I'll show you the whole scoop. It was um, uh, very, very awesome. Yeah, very awesome trip. Difficult trip as far as um, Saudi Arabia. 16 hour flight. Well, that was just from Dubai. So you added That's four. From <laughs> Dallas to Dubai, and then another three hour trip over from Dubai over to Saudi Arabia to Riyadh. All right, here we go. Did you want to show something? Yeah. Yeah, well, go on to the next one. Oh, this is the gourd. 
we were driving along and all of a sudden the car in front of us stopped. This lady jumped out and grabbed one of those gourds, jumped back in. About five minutes later, she tossed it out the window because we all got to thinking, you know what? In a land where even the lizards and the scorpions can't find anything to eat, and if the camels aren't eating them, <laughs> don't eat them. You know, like don't eat the yellow snow, okay? <laughs> And then the, the archaeologists ended up saying that so, they're very poisonous. Extremely poisonous. So, yeah, she tossed it back out. And there were gourds growing everywhere, and no wildlife like bothered bitty. them. It was a little bitty. It looked like a watermelon. And this is a... Probably coming up on camels, you know me. Rear view mirror. Hey there, buddy. How are you? Oh, look at all your friends. Hi there. It's hot day. <laughs> he can bring you all the boring archaeology stuff. I gotta add some laughter in here. So now, uh, this is Elam. So it's not a city; it's a place. I guess you. Could it's call a it crack it. in the mountains where water flows. <clears throat> Just out of nowhere, we have all of a sudden these palm trees. And then we have lovebirds along on the trip. <laughs> I had a great time. <laughs> Isn't that a beautiful picture? I think it's a beautiful picture. It's uh, you know, with the palm trees and then the, the rocky <laughs> terrain behind. And again, this palm tree right there. And so this was. Again, just you can see where there's water and see where the palm trees are. Again, out in the middle of just nowhere. This is where we're headed back down towards the sea. And there's some more gourds. Oh, wow, another camel. <laughs> Um, that's sunset. towards the sea? Sunset? That was a picture of the sunset on the way out from what would be the exit of Elam. Yeah. We went to Midian. Um, they, they say it's the land of Midian, and it was a museum. And uh, so uh, you can read that real quick if you want, but it's just that this was, you have something to say? Yeah, you, you can read this real quick. <laughs> <laughs> some pictures there just in the museum they write from right to left like the Hebrews do <clears throat> they also took us where they said was Jethro's caves which we put question marks they said it was in the land of Midian and the archaeologist told Joel says this is not Jethro's caves and I believe he's right, so the stance, so the other yeah. two. Um, uh, they said, actually, um, this is, they, they're actually, uh, we call burial sites. That they, tombs. Tombs, burial tombs, where they were, they, they were so fancy that they ended up having robbers come and steal everything out. So this, and I believe that's true. This is, this is a burial site, or tombs not Jethro's caves. 
Yeah, that makes sense now. Because um, when we went in, it had like three little spots that looked like they would be beds. But now that you, you know, they say that they were tombs. We're in the world, tombs. Brandon. <laughs> now. <laughs> Nobody's home. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's home. Who said nobody's, nobody's home? <laughs> There's, you know, caves. I mean, it was, you know, it was, a, it was an awesome where you know, place to go, but they're just empty tombs there. That's looking out from the tomb. We'll go over some. <gasps> a camel. <laughs> We're almost done. Imagine that. <laughs> This is at the Red Sea crossing where the pillar was across from Ueba Beach in Egypt. That's where, that's on the other side. Egypt, let let me say something about that. Remember, this is where the waters were congealed. There were frozen waters. God caused the ice on the backside to, to melt. The water started pouring in. Pharaoh looks back over his shoulder. He sees water pouring in, and their wheels came off of their chariots. And so by the time they tumbled and tumbled, it's 10 miles. I got my GPS thing. I look at 10.55 miles exactly uh, to see this, right? There was a big pillar here. Ron Wyatt found that. And there's another one on the entrance side. There's, well, this is on the exit side. And, but the, the, the Saudi Arabia government pulled it up, and who knows where they, they put it. But anyway... They did put this marker here to mark the spot. Now, back over here is the water. And I wish I'd got another shot. I'll have to look and see if we can have one. But from here on up, it just was a gentle slope. So the children of Israel had to get through the congealed ice walls up far enough onto the shore, quite away from the water, because when that water came tumbling, the Bible says that they found the Egyptians dead on the seashore. And it washed them, their chariot parts, their knives, their swords, their shields, because they were the most modern army at the time in the world. And it just turned them all over to the children of Israel because just in a, another month or so, they fought the Amalekites at, at Jehovah Nissi. So that's where they got the weapons of war to do the fighting. So this is the seashore there. So, because we have to check, they, the hotel is checked out in the rainy day, so pushed it by the latest, so we're going to go back and watch out for the afternoon. Okay, so for those who may or may not be aware, the story is that Ron, Ron Wyatt came back in the 80s as he was exploring this area. He found what was here, a very tall pillar, brick column, right here, that had, he says, some ancient type of Hebrew uh, writing on it. So let me just repeat this for Steve. No, it's okay. I just uh, do want you to catch this. So the story is that when Ron Wyatt came here back in the 80s, he found a very tall column that was here that he says had Hebrew or Paleo-Hebrew, some type of you know, ancient Hebrew writing on it. Now, if we look across the way, you can see the beach over there. That's Nueva, also called Wadi Watir. 
It's very similar to where we were in Guadalajara with the big crevice. It's on this side and goes into the Egyptian Sinai Peninsula. Now, when you read the testimony of Josephus, Claudius Josephus, in the first century, right, Jewish historian, as he describes the place where the Hebrews crossed the sea, he says they, they were trapped up against the sea, and he says, and against very high, treacherous mountains. And he says the Egyptians surrounded them and thought they had them trapped. They were up on the peaks of the mountains. The point is this, the traditional Mount Sinai over there, and the traditional view that the Israelites split the Red Sea over in the Suez Canal, there's no mountains over there. There's nothing more than 100 feet. Now, you could say Josephus had no idea what he was talking about, but the point is, in the first century, again, the view, the belief among the Jews at the time, based on the evidence that we have, is that this is where the crossing was. Now, look at the ocean here. Okay? Again, from a biblical perspective, when you read the story of the splitting of the Red Sea, it's not just the wind blew a little bit, some marshy reeds, the water kind of pushed back, and it was really natural, and it's really, no. It describes it as the most magnificent demonstration of the power of God. And what the Lord was doing, again, was he was demonstrating to his people his absolute, utter superiority over all of the false gods of the earth. The gods of Egypt were the greatest gods, the false gods of the earth. And the Lord was saying, they, you know, they ain't got nothing. And he was wooing them and leading them. It was, in so many ways, a romance. He was leading them, you know, there's a proposal where he says, if you will, if you will accept everything that I'm about to offer you, then you will be my segula, my treasured possession, my, my crown jewel. And they said, yes, everything that you have said, we will do. You know, it's like, I accept the proposal, I will do. And again, it culminates, the story culminates with a betrothal or a marriage ceremony, a covenant at the mountain where it comes down in fire on the mountain. So he's demonstrating his power. He uses the language of, you know, in many ways, it's with a mighty and outstretched arm. Remember the things that I did. And it's like the Lord reached down from heaven. And you think about this, you know, I've been in a charismatic Pentecostal world for a long time. I've seen some crazy things. I've seen some miraculous, powerful things. I've never been in a service to this day where someone ripped the ocean in half. You know what I'm saying? Like the Lord ripped the ocean in half. And it's like, this is not just something that you can explain away or say, well, winds just blew in a uniquely powerful way that night. That's not the way the scriptures describe it at all. Actually, I'm going to open up here. What happened to the villain? Okay, so according to Ron, yeah, he, he informed the Saudis. He was trying to communicate to them what they have here. And he says they removed it. They took it away. Now, I'll just say this. Um, I have a friend who is friends. He, he's one of the founding. Now, this is, I've got to be careful. I'll just say I have a friend who's very high influence and very, and I asked him, I said, what about this call? This is true. Is this story true? I don't know. He said, we have everything. We have this. And the time is right. We will bring it down. So there are also one place we didn't get to go is the Tuluf Museum. I went there a few years.
years ago, and they have amazing artifacts there, stuff that goes back to the time of Abraham, I mean, really amazing artifacts, and the basement is filled with all sorts of archaeological treasures. If indeed they bring this on, then they mark this to mark the spot. This is where it was. If they ever bring that out, and indeed it has the correct type of writing on it, this would be profound. This would be absolutely profound. Again, we don't know. I'm assuming that everybody is being truthful in this type of thing. But um, only time will tell. But so you're looking at the, at the distance, and I'm not sure how far. Um, color of cloud. They're following this thing that lights up at night and gives them shade by day, which means it's shaped like an umbrella or mushroom, you know. It gives them a large number of people shade during the day. It gives them light by night. Like, as if that's not surreal enough to believe the Lord is leading us. They get there and they start complaining. Moses, why did we follow you? Why did we follow you? And you have, literally, it says, Pharaoh and his elite units are barreling down on them. You have your children your grandparents, you have all of these things, and you're going, all right, we're about to die. Like, even in the midst of the Lord doing the most amazing, miraculous thing that a, a human can imagine, they start complaining and grumbling, and this is a lesson for all of us, right? And then the Lord says, Moses, right, strike the sea. The thing rips open. And, and it's just like being here, right? You're like, are we really here? Like, we've been looking up forward to it. Are we really at the mountain? In a week, you guys will leave. And you're like, was I really just there? And here they are, and they're standing over here the next morning, and they're looking back, and the green berets of the day, the, the, the Navy SEALs of the time, the most elite military units, are dead on the seashore. On the seashore. And they're like, are you kidding me? Did this really just happen? Like, we just walked across. And so what do they do? Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to and said, and let me just say this too, it's believed that this was sung antiphonally. So one does the verse and then the people respond, right? I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. Like So Moses and Miriam sing this and then all the people shout, the horse and its rider he is hurled into the sea. It's kind of back and forth. The Lord is my strength and song. He's become my salvation. Think of it again in the context of the Lord moving his people to where they would fully give themselves to him, to become a holy people, to become a womb, a nation that would give birth to the Messiah through which salvation would come to all people. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God. Like, you know, when people say that, that's my God. This was like, this is my God. There's Pharaoh's armies dead. I will praise him. My father's God. I will extol him. I love this verse. Yahweh is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Let me pause there for a second. As Christians, we have all of these genteel images of Jesus, this long-haired Caucasian hippie, surfer guy. The overwhelming biblical description of the Messiah is the divine warrior. From the beginning, the Lord declares to the serpent, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He is going to crush your skull. 
That is the first reference to the Messiah, the first prophetic reference to the Messiah in all the scriptures is the skull crusher. And as you move forward in the biblical narrative, these all of these things, the cloud rider, the divine warrior that comes back from heaven to save those who wait for him and to execute vengeance against those who hate him, the enemies of him and his people. And the Messiah is the divine warrior. And I mean, you have passages where it says, like it's speaking of the return of the Lord Jesus, and it says, we will let out a warrior shout. You know, like we'll hear it with our ears. As surreal as this moment is surreal, but as real as this moment is real, the day is coming. We'll no longer be waiting for the tour that's coming up. We will actually be in the moment when he will return and break forth in blazing fire in the clouds, and we will see him with our glorified, resurrected, immortal bodies, with our eyeballs in their eye sockets, and we will see the glory of our God. Like that moment is as real as this moment is real right now. Right hand. That's Joel Richardson, and um, you know I want to end with this because I mean this was such an awesome, awesome experience. As we can't say enough. Um, you know um, when you're there and. At first, it's like there's just dirt, there's just rock, there's just not much greenery, there's, it's just sand, it's just, it's, you know, not beautiful to be there. And then you realize what God has done and what he did and the freedom that now we have um, and, you know, the, how great is our God and all these miracles that he did and continues to do today and yet we as his people still grumble we still complain and it makes you take a step back and just realize wow you know we serve an awesome God I mean you can't say that word big enough we serve an awesome God and you know while there's things that that in light of this you know he he part of the Red Sea there's things in our life that now maybe seem kind of small compared to what God did. And I think that it's, it's good for us to remember now and go back to how real the Word of God is. How real it is. I mean, just like the man said, it's not archaeology proving the Bible. The Bible proves itself. And these are fine, say, yeah, this really did happen. This really was here. This is really what took place. And we, we, we start realizing that um, these stories about Noah's Ark, etc., they're not just story tales to read to your children. It just, it's, it's, this, it's alive. It's yeah. still alive today. And you can go to these sites 3,000, 4,000 years ago, that happened 4,000 years ago, and it's still alive today. And did we feel like goosebumps? No. No, I'm not saying that. You just, you're just in awe after you take a moment back and just look around. I mean, at the moment, at least for me, I'll speak for myself, it's like, oh, this is amazing. This is cool. And then it hit me. No, this is amazing. This is cool. <laughs> I'm here where Moses was. I'm here where he had, they had the pillar to show this was the entrance. All these things, it's, it's, um, 
You know, I just pray and ask the Lord not to let anything be destroyed in this area, in, in that Saudi Arabia. And it hasn't for all these years, so I, I really trust and believe it's going to be protected. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to become more known. And again, they have a new king there in Saudi Arabia. Matter of fact, we didn't really have to wear our scarves to yeah. run, you know, for Sharon and I. We didn't have to hide all that. Much. They said that a lot is changing, and they're they're trying to help. They want. I think they're wanting people from here, the United States, to go there. So they're changing the ways so that people will go. Tell them about how easy it was to get the visa. The, the restrictions. If you when you go to get the visa, I had it in two minutes. Back to my email. Yeah, come. You know, so as long as your um, passport isn't going to expire, passport isn't going to expire in six months. You're good. Let me also say. I know that there's a lot of fear going to another country, especially a Muslim country, but I found the Saudis, and we're talking, yes, Dubai too, but I found the Saudis to be friendly people. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel afraid. I, I mean, like when I go to Mexico, I feel afraid. And my brother's sitting here, he loves Mexico, but I felt afraid. Um, I felt afraid when I went to Egypt afraid when I went to Israel. I didn't feel afraid when I went to Saudi Arabia. And I, I mentioned to one of the guys there, I said, you know, the Saudi Arabian men are actually very handsome. And he laughed. And I said, and I guess that the women are, <laughs> you know. We don't know. And he said, well, you have to kind of fill in the blanks. You look at the eyes. and <laughs> That was one of the guys at the hotels. I thought, that's <laughs> yeah, probably true, you know. What they That's all say, you see. It looks like a black ghost. So we found out, um, I don't remember if it was from a driver or whatnot, but we were kind of asking, and so when a guy likes a woman, which I don't know how you would know because all they see are their eyes, they go to their house and they get to see the woman's face for that moment of time, and that's it. So then after that, they cover their face back up. But anytime they go on a date, somebody from her family has to be with them so that there's no temptation. Well, they decide at that moment whether they're going to marry them or yes. not. So they, they say yes or no. Say yes or no. Can and you imagine getting yes. no, no, yeah. no, no, no? So if they no. say yes, then they start dating, <laughs> which just hanging out, and then they get married. But, yeah, if they say no, then it's that's all it is. But then the women pay, I think, a dowry yeah, to, the the men's, to the men to the men for them to pay, marry their daughter. But it's sort of more of an arranged marriage. No, uh, well, that's, that's not a, what they said. No. Not there. No. No. The 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 guy gets more the like. guy goes to the father and says, "I want to date your daughter." Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are arranged marriages. I'm not saying there's but this, not. Yeah, but well, here. I mean, if he only gets to see her face for just a little bit, that's sort of an arranged marriage. I mean, what are you going to fall in love with that face in just a split second? You know. Honey, that's what you told me about me. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me it was love at first, first sight. sight. <laughs> what? I'm crushed. <laughs> well, who wants to have lunch with me today? <laughs> I have one cute picture, and then we're going to pray. Uh, Actually, it was love at first sight. <laughs> well, maybe second. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts. There, this camel took the Dunkin' Donuts right out of her hand. Isn't that the greatest picture ever? 
Sharonda goes, I have to admit, I'm kind of jealous about jealous. that. <laughs> Every that time we left, picture. I was like, I forgot to get bread from breakfast. I mean, that breakfast. says everything, right? You they, know, I bet you Dunkin' Donuts will pay the, a lot of money you know, for that picture. I, I'm serious. Like, you know, come to Saudi and feed the camels Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. It's almost like it's a commercial look. <laughs> I mean, you know? <laughs> anyway, it was um, a great Wait, trip. wait, wait. Back up, back up. So, yeah, we had good food. It was good food. It was a lot of good it, food. It, it, it was chicken and rice, and if you didn't like the chicken and rice, go to the next meal, it was chicken and rice. If you didn't <laughs> like that, go to the next meal, it was chicken and rice. Matter of fact, the archaeologist sat down and he says, I know what we're going to have today. <laughs> I said, really? He said, yes, chicken and rice. <laughs> they did fix it up a little different in most places, but it was, it was good. And the desserts in some places It was were good. Great. It was amazing. Anyway, uh, we're going to end with this. I know it kind of ends on a, a, a cute little note here. Um, we, uh, we're not going to get to the part where Stan and Sharon and Brandon and I spent the, a day in, in Riyadh. Um, but that was just because we had to be there for a day, so we thought, well, we might as well see it. But there is a new king that's taken over. There's still the dad king is alive and the son king is taken over, but he's, they're still alive. But the new king is modernizing um, Saudi Arabia. They have movie theaters. They even have movie theaters now. And women can drive. And women can drive. And there's, you know, they don't have to wear the. the they don't black. have to wear the burqa. Yeah, they don't have to they wear don't it have anymore. To anymore. But they're so used to wearing it, and I would imagine that the men say, "You will wear that." So I think there's still there's so much bondage, of course, but they don't yeah. have to. So think, and matter of fact, I mean, they left us alone. I mean, we still would be respectful and cover our place, but our face, or not a face, but our heads and. Uh, we went into a museum. I said, do we need to cover ourselves? And they said, no, because usually those places you for sure would have had to before. Um, but it was... Um, what did you find out that the women, they don't wear, they don't have to wear, some of them don't have to wear the burqas at home. So they still go shopping. They go shopping. In fact, we went to go shopping because I had to get a little jacket. And they, um, they, we were wondering why they went into all these fancy stores. We saw a lot of the women. A lot of clothing. Women. A lot of clothing, clothing stores, stores, yeah. And they're going in there shopping. They're pulling things off the How rack. How are they selling like, all this clothing? Why, if they just only wear the burqa? Well, they wear them, of course, under the burqa. But they, they like to have parties, and they like to show off what they've bought. At home. At home. But they go out, and they still have to cover all in black. Anyway, we've taken up enough time. But, you know, um, maybe you're watching this, and you just didn't realize how true the Bible is and maybe you've heard stories you know we're not just a New Testament Christian you know it, it takes the whole Bible to understand and to have a relationship with our God and so when you read the stories understand that again these stories of Jonah the stories of Noah's Ark the story of the Red Sea Crossing all these are real and there is evidence to show how real his word is. Even like Gomorrah and Sodom and Gomorrah and how he, he just came down with the, so the, the fire and brimstone and burned it so fast. There is, the, this is real. It's, I've been to these places. Dan, I've been to these places. And now Sharon and Brandon, we've been to where the Red Sea Crossing is. So I want you to know how real God is. He's the creator of the universe. He's the one that created you. And he's the one that's wooing you to him. You know, it's just by the Holy Spirit that draws all men unto the Lord Jesus to accept him as their Lord and Savior. If you want to have eternity with him, eternal life, to live forever, it's not the God of Allah. It's not 
Islam. It is not that God. As a matter of fact, that is the wrong Jesus. They, don't, they might say they know Jesus, but it's a false Jesus. It's not our Jesus. Our Jesus is real. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so it's time now to be wooed right into him and say, Jesus, you're my God. You're my Savior. I accept you. I accept you as Lord. Come into my heart. I believe in my heart. I'll speak it with my mouth that the Lord Jesus is God. Fall on your face before him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have done wrong, but I accept you now. I believe your word. These things I've seen, it has to be true. You've taken me on a journey with you. You've taken me on a biblical journey with you and shown me how true Mount Sinai is. You've taken me on a journey, shown me where Elijah's cave is. You've taken me on a journey to show me where Elam is and where the Red Sea crossing is and where they had the pillar. You've taken me there. Be drawn by the Holy Spirit right now and say, Jesus, 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 forgive me. I thank you now that you're going to save me. Save me in these days ahead. Save me in the days of trouble ahead. Save me, Lord God. And then serve him all the days of your life. Is it going to be easy? Is Christianity easy? No. But it's the sure way. And it's the sure way that you're going to have peace. It's the only way that you're going to have true peace. The only way. So repeat after me. And all of this here, let's repeat after me. We can say it a million times. It's never enough. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit I'm a sinner. I ask you into my heart. I ask you into my heart. I ask that you save me right now. I ask you save me right now. I ask that you cleanse me right now. I ask you to cleanse me right now. Be my God. Be my God. I will be your people. I will be your people. I will serve you. I will serve you. I accept you as God. I accept you. I accept you as the Lord Jesus. I accept you as Lord Jesus. You're my Savior. You're my Savior. Thank you for saving me this day. Thank you for saving me this day. Cleanse me, Lord, from unrighteousness. Cleanse me, Lord, from unrighteousness. Heal me now, Lord. Heal me now, Lord. You're the true God. You're the true God. Show me how real you are. Show me how real you are. And I believe you will. And I believe you will. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless every one of you for watching this. I pray that you'll let us know that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now, that you believe the Bible is true. Let us know. Let us know. Contact at spiritofprophecychurch.com. God bless.